Leading a beauty business in today's ever-changing economic backdrop takes a multitude of skills along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry of Beauty's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of beauty businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them, and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their beauty footsteps. Lauren Bowker is the founder of The Unseen Beauty. With a background in material science and design, Lauren entered the beauty market to help transform how people see, think about, and express their beauty. The Unseen Beauty first launched with a hair colour called Colour Alchemy, which adapts and changes colour in response to changes in the temperature and sunlight. Lauren speaks to Sophie Smith, news and features writer at TheIndustry.Beauty, about the inspiration behind the brand, how the products work, and why innovation is so important to the beauty industry. Hi Lauren, it's great to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I've been really looking forward to learning more about the Unseen Beauty as it seems like really interesting. But before we sort of go into all of that, I'd love to find out what you were doing before the Unseen. So could you tell me a bit a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a long story, so um, hold tight. But I guess if I, if I start... Um, really at the beginning um I just started out as a really curious person and I wanted to explore the world and I've just always been like super interested in exploring stuff that I can't see or what the human senses can't see whether that's space or spirituality or energy or pollution or heat I've just always wanted to to explore those sort of hidden areas that we can never access as a human um and so naturally I guess that lent me more into a kind of artistic type subjects um that kind of allowed me to make things that helped me understand maybe something more about myself philosophically or more about the world that I lived in and I gravitated to this kind of like textiles world and probably more because of my family background there in design but you know when I was at university studying textiles in my first year I actually got really ill um and I spent a long time in hospital and that really frustrated me um as I was in a lot of chronic pain that I couldn't kind of communicate my pain levels so the doctor and my surgeon was always like you know my friends and my family were like what level pain are you in today one to ten and it kind of just didn't work for me that number system and it really frustrated me and so when I was because you know like how do you put a value on pain you just can't and when I was kind of ready and well enough to go back to university I sort of started to think well you know what if I could making clothes for sort of you know Paris Fashion Week and stuff didn't seem worth like didn't seem worthwhile to me and I was sort of like what if I could use these clothes and these materials that I'm making to start to communicate either my pain levels or visualize this kind of unseen world around me and for me Um, and that made me start to sort of think well you know if maybe I should start to, to look at the properties of the material and what would textile chemistry look like and how could I actually understand the makeup of a fabric as opposed to just the designing with the fabric so I moved over to a textile chemistry course and actually through a long kind of winded project ended up developing a compound that absorbed air pollution and changed its color 
So it went from like yellow to black to let you know how much air pollution you've absorbed each day. And I kind of, re- it was like this really like defining moment really of my career at that early age of kind of 19, where, you know, if I tell you your carbon footprint in facts and figures, then you're not really going to like relate to it emotionally. And it's quite hard to understand. It's quite complex. But if I put you in a jacket in this, um, that's coated in this compound and it changes color in real time, then you can have this kind of like real visceral visualization of the climate around you and, and the impact that pollution is having. So it kind of started this whole idea for me of materials that could communicate for us um, and where, you know, what would they look like? What would they be? So having spent sort of three or four years in the science lab from a textile chemistry point of view, I then went on to the Royal College of Art to do my master's because I wanted to surround myself back with those really design led people and start to think about if I'm going to create science that changes color and um, what color should it be? What should this material feel like? You know, what philosophically and you know, design wise, what should I be creating? How can I give it meaning? Um, and that led me to a kind of really to learn the processes of the industry, but also back into a design practice. And then I kind of got spat out of the RCA and went to be a reader at the Royal Academy of Engineering on the future human and the future home. So it was very much looking at future materials for 2020, weirdly, because we're in that now, um, and beyond all the way up to 2050. And I was researching these incredible materials that all did, you know, really impactful stuff that could save people's lives that could connect people in new ways and that could ultimately show what a future human would be doing um but but I wanted to make it real I didn't want to just write about it um, and was very lucky to win a government grant with the British Fashion Council to with a proposal I put in around visual about a wearable tech that could visualize emotions um in a fabric rather than an electronic circuit uh, that I won that grant, which gave me this kind of like seed funding to set up on my own as a sort of individual that was working on materials that could communicate, but also bridging between uh, material consultancy for actual industry. Um, and that is really the essence of where the Unseen was born at Somerset House. Um, and I was kind of at that point working on for people like Formula One and um, looking at aerodynamics in the wind tunnel and making the cars change color in real time. And then also, um, you know, turning those into beautiful art pieces that could go into the V&A and also the science museum to show people their human aerodynamic, et cetera. And what quickly I realized 10 years ago uh, or started to happen 10 years ago was that the soon as someone saw these pieces, they automatically had this idea, you know, had this notion of, what could they see? Like everyone's got something they would want to see. Um, and I was giving them an opportunity to do that. And then also through a material and because materials are everywhere, it took me across this vast industry from healthcare through to automotive space um, and fashion. And the, the unseen sort of went from just being me through to being kind of material consultancy to an outsourced R&D laboratory um, and then to uh, kind of all of that hybrid I guess and it's bridge today which has a direct consumer arm in beauty but um, we also still have our labs here in Dalston and um, where we work with other individuals to see their unseen so there you go a really long-winded <laughs> version that's good it does sound like you've certainly been very very busy so obviously you mentioned that you've had quite an extensive time looking at like textiles and fashion so what then inspired you to launch into the beauty industry and take a tackle at that 
Yeah, again, like, you know, it wasn't an original place that I thought I would explore. But actually, if you think about the skin and the hair, it really is just another material. Um, and it came about really like sort of five years ago because I was asked by Days to write a piece for Fashion Week um, on women in science. And I'd always thought of the skin and hair as this material and as beauty as a tool in which to express and extend our kind of inner self outwardly. And, you know, I see that we're born with this kind of brain inside that tells us who we are and then this shell outside. And and often those two don't always communicate. So what if we could use the hair and the skin as a way to communicate that inner person outwardly? And and our skin, you know, it's alive, it's ever changing and it's evolving with us and our emotions, our environment. But our beauty products don't really reflect that change. They're quite static and they mask all that living energy. Um, and I started to think, you know, what if they could? And in our labs here, I, I made like a really short video um, of a concept formula of a hair that changed color um, to sort of just show, you know, makeup and beauty, it is science. Um, and it is, you know, it's, it's very female led. And I thought that the notion that, uh, well, it's very female oriented. I don't know whether it's female led at this point, but what if we could start to reframe beauty as a science topic and, um, and start to, to think about what we could do with material science and how we could open categories that hadn't been opened before. And so this hair that changed color to the environment um, it's just a really beautiful video of a, a model whose hair was black. And then as the wind passes across it, it goes red. Um, and overnight, it got like 8 million views. This was before um, TikTok. Um, so viral in a world where viral wasn't, you know, as as known as it is today. And um, to be honest, I was just really shocked. Like it stopped me in my tracks. Like how, and I started to like, you know, like, wow, why are so many people intrigued? Like, why are these 80 million people around the world um, so, so sort of, you know, mesmerized by this idea that hair could change and respond and reflect to them? And that guess opened up this idea of material science bringing new expressions. Um, and then I really honestly wanted to just give the world the tools that it didn't not didn't have to do that. And I see the beauty industry as a massive place to inspire people. You know, I don't get out of bed to make money. I get out of bed to try and connect people to learn more about themselves and their world. And I see beauty as a perfect place to do that. Um, and the fact that it is a science-based based area, I also realize that there's not a huge amount of innovation happening in the color cosmetic sector. There is in skincare, there is in other areas, but not not in the color sector. And the fact that the, the, you know, the industry is all about creativity and science and expression, but we don't seem to have been moved on from the sort of original formulas that were approved by the Coates and the L'Oreal's of this world over 50 years ago. Um, so yeah, that was kind of where the conversation started. And if you think of the purpose of the unseen to ultimately be revealing to the world what it can't see for itself, you know, what that looked like under a beauty lens felt super, super exciting. Absolutely. No, that sounds pretty incredible. So if we just think about sort of the colour alchemy in relation to the obviously the hair care, can you in a like a sort of easy way tell me sort of how it works, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, totally. So colour alchemy um is have you ever seen a peacock feather? Absolutely. <laughs> So a peacock feather is super iridescent and super bright, and it actually works through um, a sort of process called structured color. So it doesn't get its color in the same way our hair does, for example. It essentially is a sort of reflected prism 
Um, and what we did was we took the basis of that kind of concept of a, a molecule that could reflect light as opposed to a static kind of um, pigment molecule, which you see in normal hair colors. Um, and we tuned it to be able to respond to temperature. So you put it on the hair and then what you get, for example, what you get in one scenario is a really, really bright looking peacock feathered color on your hair that will shift dependent on your angle. But then with the added um, extension of it changing color to temperature. So as you move through your environment, as the sun hits you, it's super alive and it's sort of never static. It's always changing with you um, and going through those beautiful iridescent tones that you would see on a peacock feather or a scarab beetle or those beautiful um, morpho butterflies you see in the Amazon, those purple gorgeous ones. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I know obviously you also sort of branched out into makeup and you do something called, is it the Spectra Eye Colour? Could you just tell me a little bit about how that works as well? Yeah, Spectra um, is a great one. That's our first product that we launched as the Unseen Beauty. Um, and it actually came about because I was at a gig and I was watching um, people see the artist through their phone. Um, and I don't really experience my life through a digital lens. I'm very physical. But I realized that there was a whole world out there that experiences the, their world digitally through these lenses. And I just thought, wouldn't it be great to create a color that could transcend different these two digital and physical realities? So Spectra um, is that color. It's an invisible color in reality, um, or it's the color you put on. So it's either invisible or black. And then when you take a picture of it or you see it through a screen, it, it becomes this like otherworldly reflective silver. So we call it a makeup for the metaverse, but it was actually invented sort of five years ago. So um, it's kind of mad that now reality and metaverse and digital physical is, you know, hugely popular after the, tw- the last um, two years. But actually that color and that idea of colors that transcend different realities is something we're kind of always working on the digital reality is just another reality we have as humans to explore so how long would you say so thinking back to color alchemy and the spectra eye color how long does it sort of take to develop this sort of thing was one quicker than the other (laughs) that's like chicken and egg like literally I mean like so we can break it down so if we the actual formula itself you know can take anywhere from six months through to two years like we have the labs here and we're really agile in how we formulate um and that that part can be quite quick once you've identified the material science you want to put into a formula and building that chassis around it can happen you know quite iteratively quite quickly as a normal formula would but I guess the research behind them color alchemy for example you know began almost 10 years ago when I was working on the formula one projects and I also had a fashion line that was in Selfridges and I was creating you know this type of science this type of material uh, color science putting it into leathers and feathers and material objects anyway which are quite keratin based so the formula started 10 years ago um, and was able to be uh, sort of tuned into a cosmetic formula quicker but then you have like stability etc etc so you know some of our technologies are quicker than others and we've been working on the sort of next five years pipeline for the past five years and um you know to get a product to shelf from the beginning of it the journey starting took I'd say two years but then obviously a global pandemic and we managed to do a lot more in that time but um but yeah two years I don't know I don't know if that's quick or slow I'm, I'm really not from the beauty world so it feels fast to me Hi, I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at the industry.beauty, and I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news, features, 
and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK beauty market, such as breaking stories, interviews and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter to get all of this essential content delivered direct to your inbox. How did you like get them out there as sort of a sort of startup in the beauty industry? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think like, I mean, I've been around for a long time, right? I'm like 37 now, but I've, I've never had a job. I've, I sort of fell out of university and started doing what I was doing. And I've met a lot of people. And I think we just did it the way that we would do anything. Um, like, you know, create our formula. We had like an idea, you know, we, the formula comes from a question. It never came from, we want to create like just an eye product. It came from the idea of this, like, can we create a color that transcends reality? And that for me is like an art project. So the natural kind of response was to then go to our community and people that we already were interested in the unseen as a brand and start to, to show the beauty products and put them out and let people experience them and almost work with people who think like you do, whether they're an artist, whether they're a gallery, whether they're a beauty professional, whether they're, you know, a future customer or a future community member. Um, for me, I just started to show people it and slowly it started to come out. Um, there wasn't really a huge strategy at that point. It was just test and learn and put it out and see who, who likes it. And, um, and go from there and learn from there. We obviously had like, we knew that we had our project Colour Alchemy launching this summer. Um, and that is a collaboration with Schwarzkopf Professional, who are obviously, you know, huge and global in their nature. So we knew that we had that campaign coming and that that would harness, um, you know, many of the global eyes around the world. Um, and we knew that we wanted to do that through this kind of viral media um strategy that had happened originally for the hair color which we did through tiktok but um but the spectra launch and the launch of the unseen beauty was done very kind of friends and family in the build-up to that kind of moment of then the global world seeing it um but we do it different every time like we we're not your average beauty brands so i think for us it's important to have a conversation with the people we want to have com- or who want to have conversations with us um, and how we do that whether it's physical digital what through what platform um, will change dependent on what we are launching how does it feel to be able to see that progression yeah it's amazing and I think we've learned a lot already in this first year so as a beauty brand we're only a year old and um, you know as the unseen we're sort of 10 years old but as a beauty brand we're only a year and when we launched spectra um in October last year um it perhaps you know it was a bit abstract like it was a bit like what's the metaverse what's this color I don't quite understand it I don't know who this beauty brand are and it was a bit kind of mysterious to the people and we we, you know we are a bit mysterious as a brand and it didn't perhaps launch as it didn't land as like popular as uh, not popular is not the right word but it was sort of those who knew about it loved it but we didn't push it to people wider than that whereas the dial-up from, if we look at like October this year, you know, we, our sales and our kind of community engagement rate, et cetera, has like, you know, massively grown. And I think some of that is people who are used to the technology, they're used to the conversations around the metaverse. And some of it is, you know, just the helpful from the push from Schwarzkopf, let's say, in the eyes and the prize. But it's super, it's gaining a lot of traction, which is super exciting. Like, we're still identifying who our community is. And I see the Unseen Beauty as a really conversational brand and the products almost as tools to give 
our community ways to have conversations and because they'll change as we go through our product pipeline who they interact with will be quite interesting and we're still defining it quite honestly which is super exciting um and I don't want to dictate who it's for I think it's very much like I'll provide it out there and you guys do what you want with it Obviously, we've spoken a lot about innovation here. I just thought, I just wondered if you could sort of tell me why you think innovation in the beauty industry is important. Yeah, I think innovation in the beauty industry, you know, it's super important. Um, I think it's important to move the dial forward, um, not only to create, you know, better products, but to inspire almost a better world, you know, that allows us to learn more about ourselves and the planet in doing so. And I think, you know, we have an obligation to leave the planet in a better way than we came into it. Um, And I don't think the beauty industry is doing a very good job at holding themselves accountable for that. Um, So I think across packaging ingredients and also the way in which we experience beauty, I often talk about that them being quite toxic areas and how do we use innovation to create better create make it better really like it's not often a very um I don't know what the right word is but it's you know we can do a lot better in all areas of beauty and I really do see material science as a way to an innovation as a way to um to help that help that move move it forward the planet is something that's quite important to you and the brand. So can you just tell me a little bit more about how sustainability or being eco-friendly sort of translates into the products? Just give a little bit more detail. Yeah, I mean, um, it's really tough in beauty. Like, it's really hard to be, um, I mean, what? I mean, the definition of sustainability in itself is like ridiculously hard to 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 put into practice right it's really overwhelming and I think like for me like I like I sort of just previously mentioned like you know I dream of a world where we only kind of leave our experiences on the planet and I think that responsibility to leave the planet in the same way if not a better shape than when we entered it it should be on the brands like it shouldn't necessarily just be on the cost of the customer and I think um you know the problem isn't that there is a huge overconsumption problem but it's not if we just sort of solve the end process we're never going to get anywhere we need to think through from the beginning like why is overconsumption a problem what you know plastic is a great material like an incredible material but the problem is that we made one use products out of it like it's a material that never never degrades so don't make material don't make products that you're going to use once out of it and this idea of like the design linked with science linked with the psychology of why and only creating products I guess that have reason for being in the world is something that I don't think is addressed on a mass consumption in beauty um and I believe that it is on us as brands to make that change and this idea of like science and education having the power to do that is something that gravitates for me um and yeah, I guess I always want to have a why for a reason for why we create these products. So, for example, Spectra, like we uh, use the aluminium um, tube for that because we're a small brand. We couldn't create a bespoke packaging. So consciously we found a material or picked a material off the shelf that um, allow that is infinitely recyclable. So, you know, that will you know be used for something else in the future. Um, and then secondary packaging wise, we did have an opportunity to innovate in that space so we brought on the world's first biodegradable vac pack compostable vac pack to beauty 
um, which we brought across from the food industry. So we had other projects where we were looking at these types of materials and we didn't want to settle for just like a cardboard box off the shelf. We wanted to create weight, you know, look at our energy of weight and um, and also how we could create a material that was compostable to open up a conversation of do we even need secondary packaging really for for some things so where we could with that particular product um, and today when we're working with really innovative formulas we're obviously consciously picking ingredients for in those formulas that are the best today with a view of where we can't like you know if there's a reason to create something you've got to do it with the best conscience you can and, and where you can make the changes today then do it but where you personally can't then you need to turn to research and to find those that can and start to, you know, make slow incremental steps towards the Holy Grail vision. Um, but you got beauty is just so hard from a startup point of view, like any startup people that are listening to this, like I completely empathize. Like we're so um, stuck with what what's already in this model um, in the factories that you can create. And the, the way that beauty is created right now is very unsustainable. Like it's often like an influencer at the front of, um, you know a huge portfolio of products and just different marketing stories and you're sort of you sort of stuck with what the factory can offer you um so it's really tough but where you can make the changes you should and then that's what we're trying to do and then we're also actively funding and researching and looking into bringing newness um into our materials from packaging to ingredient that are more sustainable our first fully bespoke product comes out in 2024 and that will have a complete um, new materials and new new angle to our vision of sustainability, which is to, I guess, leave nothing but experiences on the planet. Sorry, really long-winded answer there. No, that was great. It's really interesting. And I also, I, I often hear this when, obviously, when you talk about innovation and sustainability, they often go hand in hand. And it's nice to sort of hear a brand talk about how they're so like eco-friendly and that's sort of what they're doing going forward especially a startup um but if we just talk a little bit more about retail now um i, I can see the unseen is available at farfetch and browns so i just wondered if there's any more plans to go into other retailers or if i've missed any <laughs> Yeah, no, of course. Like, you know, right now we have a super limited collection. We only have two products. Um, but obviously next year we're dropping sort of seven new products with various SKUs. And that kind of opens up a really interesting lens of where and how we'll sell them. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we're, which we're quite, we, we see ourselves as being very community focused. And the way that I want to approach where we sell, how we sell will very much be about listening to that community and asking them how and where they want to experience the unseen. So, you know, I see the future of retail very much as experience led spaces and places to like connect and have interesting conversations, like almost libraries and galleries. Um, but of course, we will work with wholesalers. Um, it would be great, I think, to work with wholesalers in a more educational or experiential type relationship rather than just like a kind of direct transaction, like, you know, like, what well, wouldn't it be amazing? I'm not saying who or what we're working with on or who with, but I wouldn't, you know, we, I wouldn't want to just go and stock on like a traditional wholesaler. I would want to speak to that wholesaler, try and reveal something unseen with them and do a sort of, you know, interesting experience and create something that's um, new rather than just put the product on the website. But, you know, I'm also super excited about what our own spaces could look like. And I think we'll have some great fun in those spaces from digital to physical, et cetera. And me and my CEO often have like great arguments or heated debates, let's say about how we are build scale into the business and actually like create a profitable business um, off product. You obviously have to sell, but 
you know, we're working that out. And the more products we have, the more interesting conversations we can have with retailers, with wholesalers, with galleries, etc. So watch this space. There will be a lot more um, coming online over the next couple of years. Amazing. Well, that takes me very nicely onto my final question. And I was just wondering if you can think of any, what non-product related sort of brand ambitions do you have? Oh God, maybe this is going to be too philosophical, but I think like, I don't know, like my, you know, like my main ambition really is just to inspire some sort of change in the world and to give people a way to sort of feel truly themselves. Um, if if one person, you know, gains a new perspective to see the world and or even themselves in a way they hadn't done before, then to me, that's like the best ambition the brand can have. Like, I want to create, you know, things we've never seen before and like represent people in ways they've never been re- represented before. And the fact that it's a beauty brand to me doesn't really matter. Like, that's just a tool in which to be inspired um so I mean I'm the I'm the founder and the creative director so I'm not <laughs> my ambitions are very sort of high level but really it is just about inspiration um what I, whether that's globally whether that's you know individually whether that's on this planet whether it's for a different planet um or for future places where we live like who knows like it's almost unseen right now no that's really interesting and I hope you go on to achieve them it's been so interesting to speak to you and it's just been so great to find out more about the unseen and all the science and sort of innovation behind it so thank you so much for your time today Lauren no thank you so much it was less science but hopefully it was inspiring if this beauty leader's story inspired you why not head over to our website at www theindustry.beauty or find us on your favorite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.beauty and remember to visit www.theindustry.beauty for your daily beauty fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.